This program is brought to you by the Living Church Boise. You are listening to Restart Hope with Pastor Joel Sicker. Today we're talking about when hope cannot be found. We're going through a series when God cannot be found and we're going to be looking at certain things, certain aspects that you begin to, to grow, uh, you know, you, you begin to miss and you, you, don't, you, don't, you stop seeing it around you when you experience the hand of God slowly or it feels like God, the hand of God is slowly moving, moving away from you. And there are certain things that you begin to miss. There are certain things that you long for, you crave for, when it feels like God cannot be found. And living a life where it seems like hope cannot be found is a horrible, horrible place to be. Now, I want to say something to you before we jump into this, because I want you to know the church is going to be very real this morning. Okay? Now, what I'm telling you this morning, what I'm going to share with you this morning, is not something that, for some of you, we'll put it into three categories, for some of you, this is not going to be something that's going to meet you where you are right now. Okay? For some of you, this is going to make sense to what you walked through this last week. Okay? So if that's you, I want you to come and encourage me after church, because I've been praying for you, because I've been walking through it. So some of you, what I'm going to tell you now, it's not going to connect with you where you are, but it's going to make sense for what you actually walk through when hope is lost, when hope cannot be found. For some of you now, this is actually going to fuel you and encourage you now and give you the tools for what you're going to face. And then there are some of you where God is going to catch you unaware. That's kind of been a theme too, isn't it? God is incognito and he's been walking and teaching. He's going to catch you unaware this morning and he's going to call you into the hope that he has for you. For some of you, it's going to be, uh, you be, you've been a Christian, you've been a churchgoer, You've been a very religious person. You've been a good person according to your standards. But God wants to catch you. He wants to catch you today. And he wants to infuse you with hope. I was telling uh, the team yesterday that I'm extremely embarrassed when things like this happen because I need to step out in faith. Peter and John picking up the lame man and saying, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk and pulling him off his feet. <laughs> I dare you to do that. <laughs> <laughs> It's fantastic to read it and jump about it and write songs about it, but it's embarrassing to do that. And this morning, in a sense, that's what God's asking me to do. For those of you that are sitting hopeless in church, you're sitting hopeless in your Christian outlook, and he wants to pick you up. When your struggles get harder and harder and harder, when you thought it was going to get easier and easier and easier, you begin to lose hope and hope cannot be found. And life just doesn't make sense anymore. Passover we went through just a couple of weeks ago, uh, I told you it was a season where we remember that God is good, that God is a deliverer, that God will get you through. And it's fantastic to celebrate that. And we also said that Passover is a time when you lift your bitterness up to God and say, bless my bitterness, God, bless my mistakes. And God is so big that he's able to do that. But what do you do? What do you do when the struggles and the bitterness only gets harder and harder and harder when you thought it was going to get easier? What do you do when you had a fantastic Sunday morning, you gave your life to Jesus, you had an amazing time in worship, and you go back and the things at home is worse than what it was two weeks ago? See, some of you, you want to say amen to that, but you're so broken that you cannot. In fact, I want to talk to those of you at home right now. You're at home, many of you, because you're unable to make it to church. Let me read your mail. It's because you don't have the energy to even talk to a person. I wish I could high-five you. I wish I could sit there with you and just in silence like Job's friends 
in the initial part and say, I know what it's like when hope is all lost. I know what it's like when you feel like I thought it was going to get easy, but God's far away from me. And because he's far away from me, the hope, the power, the strength that we all sang about, it seems so distant now, like as if God's on a vacation. What do you do? What do you do when you are struggling, but everybody else around you seems like they have it all together? What do you do when that sense of hopelessness just eats at you like cancer? And, and, and you have everything in your life that checks the boxes for you to be happy, but there is no hope. You're going through a breakup and everybody else is having fun. You're going through a divorce and everybody else is tweeting and Facebook and Instagram about their marriage. You're a Christian who's failing. You know how to speak Greek and Hebrew, but you do not know how to talk to your wife or your children. What do you do? when it seems like all hope is lost. I'm telling you, church is going to be real this morning. And I told my wife, I said, I've never heard a message really addressing these things because I face it. And, and somehow we put this band-aid that says that as a believer, you, you should not go there. You cannot go there. You cannot be depressed. You cannot be down. You cannot cry. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So get up and smile. And we turn the church into a ship full of hypocrites. But church is going to be real this morning. What do you do when you stayed up all night, burning through the hours in night in prayer and on your knees and in tears and you wake up in the morning and there is no hope? Because life just doesn't seem to make any sense. This is why we find Job. He's lost all his possessions. He's lost his children. But he doesn't lose his worship. But he's quickly losing his hope. Because life just doesn't make any sense anymore. The second chapter of the book of Job starts just like the chapter one. It's like a repeat, but only worse. He's losing hope. Why, why should I talk about this depressing downer passages in scripture? In fact, this morning I thought none of you guys were going to show up to church after last week. I thought some of you guys were going to take a little break for the 12 weeks until we were done with this and then come back for the good parts. Tell me about seven ways to, you know, find meaning in worship, seven ways to get successful in life and leadership, lessons from the book of Job, from, from uh, Moses. And, uh, and I thought you guys will take a break, but I'm glad you're back. But the reason why I want to dig into this is because a lot of us have band-aid fixes. It's like when you're up in the mountain and you're hiking or you're, you know, and you break a bone, you got to find sticks and rope to, to put a splinter around your leg on your broken bones but you don't live with that the rest of your life. You come back down and you immediately run to see a professional, you see a doctor. And if you don't, your bones will fuse the wrong way. Sure, you walk, but you walk like a gangster, you know? <laughs> and God does not want you to walk like that. God does not want you to walk like a, with a limp. In fact, God wants us to soar on wings like eagles. But for that healing to take place, I'm so sorry that we have to do this, but he has to break your bones again. He has to break your bones to set it in place. He's got to pull off your temporary band-aids. He's got to pull off the temporary rope and stick that you found up in the mountain. Hey, it worked for a season. I'm not saying it was wrong. It worked for a season. Please tell me season. Say season. Season. It worked for a season. Your theology worked for a season. That calling worked for a season. That, 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 that memory verse that you held on to worked for a season. And God's calling you into a new season where he has to break your bones. How can a loving God break your bones? 
It's because he has a purpose for you. And I'm getting ahead of my script over here, but he has a purpose for you. So he has to break your bones. And then he'll put the balm of Gilead over you and wrap you. And in his arms, wait till you're healed. Hang on with you till you're healed. And that's what the book of Job is for us. It's the breaking of the bones that's fused wrong, that served its purpose for a time being. And God wants to get a little deeper with us, a little deeper with us. Job chapter 2, verse 1. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. Again, there was a day. I hate that word again. Do you know it? Man, I'm going to get through two chapters, but these, these little words irritate me. Again, 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 God, again, again, I went through that. Again, I did that with my first son. Again, again, I experienced the same thing with the previous marriage. Again, when I was 16, and again, anybody with me with again? Again, it's frustrating. Again, it's horrible. No, the bone broke, it fused. Again, break it again. Again, there was a day. Dig into this man. Feel this man's pain. The sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came along with them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking up and down on it. I don't want to give this guy too much time, and you can join me on that. I'm tired of this guy. I'm sick and tired of his antics. He's accountable to God, he's answerable to God, he's on a tight leash, and, he, and God will whoop him if he does anything that goes beyond his accountability and authority. I spoke about that last week, go listen to it if you missed it. Number three, and the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there's none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. He still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without reason. God is giving Satan a recap again, again again why does God have to act like a sore winner you won let it go Jesus you're right Job is faithful let it go don't is that what we teach our children you won leave the guy alone man why do you do that why are you instigating him again why are you poking him again hey see Job you took away his children, you took away his property. He still got a song. He's still dancing in the wilderness. He's beating the tamarind like never before. He's not cursed me. He's still worshiping me. You remember last week? Shaved his head, tore his robes, bowed down, and worshiped. Satan would have thought, great. Shaving his head, tearing his robes, falling to the ground. Oh my, what? He wouldn't say, oh my God, because he's Satan, you know? <laughs> he's like, he's worshiping. Defeat. And now, God comes back and says, hey, you see Job? He's faithful. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin. All that a man has, he will give for his life. Stretch out your hand and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse you. Skin, bone, flesh. Hebrew is beautiful with imagery. Skin for skin. Touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse you. In the blood there's life. And what Satan is saying is, threaten his life. Threaten his life with his flesh and bones, everything that holds the blood in together. Threaten his life. Watch what he will do. You see, listen to me. I'm, not, I'm going to go through the whole chapter 2 before I get to my main points, okay, in chapter 3. So track with me. I'm just, building, I'm just building my case over here of what does it look like when your life has lost hope and for you to identify with this. <clears throat> Satan still believes that as believers, when our life is threatened, we will give up our faith. When they say, I will put you in prison if you come to church, he thinks that we will stop worshiping. When they say that, hey... We're going to stop talking about Jesus in schools. He thinks that we're going to stop teaching our children about Jesus in our homes. 
And I hope it's not true about you. Because around the world right now, there are missionaries with a knife on their neck saying, renounce the name of Jesus and I will let you live. And they say, do none go with me, I will follow. Give, take the whole world but give me Jesus. And their heads are severed from their bodies. Right now, there are missionaries on the world with a gun to their head. Just renounce him and you will live. And they say, gladly, gladly. I, I, I consider it an honor to die for the name of Jesus. Satan thinks that as believers, we will give up if our life is threatened. And for these martyrs, for these missionaries around the world, Revelation chapter 2 is true for them. It says that they've conquered him, that Satan and his demons, they've conquered him. They've conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of the testimony. I will not go back on my word. I will not go back on my testimony. The word of my testimony is, is in the name of Jesus powerful. Chains are broken when it's spoken. Every knee must bow. So take my life. I'm not frightened of death because Jesus is with me. And it's true, Revelation 12, 1. They've conquered him by the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony for they love not their lives even unto death. And Satan says, try Job. I guarantee you, man. He will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, back to verse 6 in Job chapter 2, And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your hands. Only spare his life. Have your way, Satan, but don't you dare touch his life. Because Satan thinks that threaten his life and watch him lose his song. And God says, Go. Spare his life. Don't touch his life, but go. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with loathsome sores from his sole of his foot to the crown of his head. There have been many pages and a lot of ink spilt on what these sores were, but that's not the point. The point is not what was his disease. The point is that he's suffering. And his suffering is getting worse. And you're going to see that when you go through times like this of again, you find yourself losing hope very, very, very quickly. And so Job takes a piece of broken pottery, verse 8, with which to scrape himself while he sat in the ashes. It's not my point. It's a point that I want to make to identify, for you to identify with the context of where Job is. He's scratching himself on a pile of ashes. What is your pile of ashes here this morning? And what is your clay in your hand that you're scratching yourself with? Because we all, we all have a pile of ashes that we sit on. We all have a piece of pottery to ease our pain when it seems like we're losing hope. That's all the time we have for today, but we would like to hear from you. Our address is P.O. Box 2014 Eagle, Idaho 83616. You can also listen to this message and more on the Living Church Boise app, available in your app store. Join us this Sunday at the Living Church Boise. Service and address can be found on our website, www.thelivingchurchboise.com. Visit our website for service time and address.